please stand for the reading of the word. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commitment greater than this. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one. There is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not too far from the kingdom of God, and from then no one dared ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, last Sunday, we began our sermon series titled, Who Are You? And we considered Jesus' one-sentence parable in Matthew 13, 33. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And we realized that it is the yeast that transforms the dough into bread. It's the yeast, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven that is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who transforms our lives. So last week when we asked the question, who are you? We learned first who we're not. We're not the yeast that transforms lives. We can change our lives. We can change our appearance. We can change some attitudes perhaps. We can change a few habits, but we're not the yeast that will truly transform our lives, so transform that we can be a new creation. Well, today, we ask the same question, who are you? Now let's consider the same question in a little different way. Great French novelist, poet, philosopher, Arsène Houssay, once wrote, tell me who you love and I'll tell you who you are. Think about that for a moment. Tell me who you love and I will tell you who you are. Let's begin by thinking who Jesus loved. You know, I had lunch, it's been a while ago, I had lunch with a businessman friend of mine. And he said, uh, he said, I've got a question for you. You ever consider what Jesus' life was before those last three years? He was a businessman, you know. And he said, I wonder about his life as a businessman. He's the oldest son, so he's the owner of the family carpentry business. He said, how did Jesus deal with difficult people. My friend said, how did Jesus deal with his lumber supplier when his lumber supplier put a delivery surcharge 
one. Went to him and said, hey, you know there's been a drought. Donkey feed has gone up. That price, i got to pass that along. <laughs> How would he handle that? Or Jesus' younger brothers. Think about that. There's always one younger brother that doesn't work as hard as everybody else. How did Jesus deal with him? And he must have had a disgruntled customer somewhere along the line. Think about it. Builds a table for somebody. They deliver it. Person looks at it and says, whoa, 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 this has rounded corners. I wanted square corners. I'm not paying for that. How did Jesus handle that? Well, we really don't know much about this part of Jesus' life, but what we know is Jesus had to deal with difficult people. We know he did. He came from heaven into a fallen world. He came into a world where people had a sin nature, uh, a nature of self-centeredness. So we know he had to deal with difficult people. So how did he do that? Well, we get some guidance from Apostle Paul. Paul tells us how to deal with difficult people in a Christ-like way. Paul tells us in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 1, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being of one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. He's describing how we can live a Christ-like life. So how do you deal with difficult people? Do you value them above yourself? Do you love difficult people more than yourself? Do you love them as Paul tells us Jesus did? Tell me who you love, and I'll tell you who you are. Jesus loved fair-weather friends. Friends he knew would desert him. Friends who wouldn't be there when he needed their encouragement the very most. When Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, he washed the feet of his fair-weather friends. He knew every one of them would desert him at some time. He even told Peter that he'd deny him not once but three times. And he knew Peter, James, and John would fall asleep in the garden while he was praying. They would fall asleep when he needed their friendship, their encouragement, their prayers, really the very most. But Jesus loved his fair-weather friends, and not just in words, but in actions. He washed the feet when he already knew they were fair-weather friends. When I think of fair-weather friends, I think of old uh, Richard Nixon. 
Richard Nixon, when he was president, world leaders, politicians from everywhere wanted to be just close to him. They wanted to get as close to him as they could. They wanted to be able to call President Nixon friend until the Watergate scandal came. And he was forced to resign the office of the presidency, and he had to resign in disgrace. Nixon left Washington, D.C. without one friend, not one. Three and a half years go by. Three and a half years, not one person called him. No one dared to visit him. His fair-weather friends had completely deserted him. He lived in isolation until Hubert Humphrey died. Three and a half years later, Hubert Humphrey dies, former vice president. And then dignitaries, world leaders, politicians from all around the world, including Richard Nixon, went to his funeral. These are all the same people that just a few years ago couldn't get close enough to Nixon when he was president. And now, at that funeral, they treated Nixon like a leper in Jesus' day. He was intentionally shunned. Everywhere, everyone there intended for him to feel unwelcome. People turned their backs to him. Conversation stopped when he walked by. Nixon could feel that ostracism. And in that big room, he stood all by himself, all alone. That is until Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter, walked into the room. And as President Carter was walking to his seat of honor, at this funeral, he saw Nixon standing there all by himself. President Carter immediately changed course and walked over to Nixon. And he didn't just shake his hand. He embraced Richard Nixon. And he said, welcome home, Mr. President. Welcome home. Jimmy Carter is a man of God. He's a man of God who once said, we must live our lives as though Jesus was coming this afternoon. Jimmy Carter, as a follower of Jesus Christ, not only loves fair-weather friends, he even loves the one that fair-weather friends abandon. <laughs> so let me ask you, do you love your fair-weather friends? Do you love them so much that you would wash their feet? We can't just say we do and love like Jesus. So, tell me who you love, and I'll tell you who you are. And Jesus not only loved those who would desert him in a time of need. He loved the one who would betray him whose betrayal Jesus knew assured his crucifixion. Jesus even loved Judas. 
right after Jesus had washed the feet of his disciples, including Judas's, he said to them, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. Jesus knew he'd be betrayed, and he even knew Judas would be the one to do it. And we know that this caused Jesus to be troubled in spirit. And we know that when Jesus went to the garden to pray before his betrayal, he told the disciples who were with him, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And I believe Jesus was troubled in spirit and overwhelmed with sorrow, not just because he knew what was coming, but because he loved Judas and was brokenhearted, not for himself, but for Judas. We read about Judas's betrayal of Jesus. This is in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 47. Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the, is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Ju Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But now listen to Jesus' response to Judas' betrayal. Listen to this. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend friend, even though Judas's betrayal would lead to his own agonizing death, it was at the moment of his betrayal that Jesus still called Judas friend. Jesus teaches us in his Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. We can't just say we love our enemies. We have to demonstrate it, just like Jesus did. To love our enemies, we have to do more than just not hate them. It takes more than that, doesn't it? You know... 1949, in Germany, Germany was divided, East Germany and West Germany. East Germany controlled by the Soviet Union, Communist West Germany had a democracy. 1949, 1961, the city of Berlin then was split, East and West. A wall was built. And from 1961 to 1990, 29 years, 100,000 people tried to cross that wall. It was guarded, and hundreds of people were gunned down trying to get from the east to the west. January of 1990, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, Eric Honecker, Eric Honegger, the brutal, hated dictator of East Germany, the man who had personally ordered 
and directed the building of that wall in Berlin. Now found himself penniless, sick, and homeless. The dictator of East Germany had no place to go. And he was so despised that no one would even give him shelter. In all of Germany, no one would give him a place to stay. Well, there was a village pastor, Uva Holmer. And Holmer pastored a church in a small village in what used to be East Germany. And he really had bitter memories of Honecker and his regime. He had lived through all that. The wall that Honecker built separated his family. That wall kept him from even attending his own father's funeral. Honecker's wife directed the, the East German Ministry of Education and Uwe Holmer's ten children were not allowed to go to school because they were followers of Jesus Christ. There are lots of reasons for Homer to really hate Honecker. It would have been easy for him to just simply ignore him. That's enough, isn't it? Come on, he didn't do anything to him. He didn't try to punish him. Just ignore him now. That wasn't good enough. Uva Homer decided that he really had no choice but to take Honecker and his wife into his home. And when he did that, hate mail from all over Germany poured in. Members of his own congregation either left his church, left church altogether, or refused to, to give an offering while Honecker lived in the pastor's home. Pastor Homer said to his congregation, he said, there is a sculpture in our village of Jesus inviting people to himself, crying out, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy burden, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We've been commanded by our Lord Jesus to follow him and to receive all those who are weary and heavy laden, including our enemies. What Jesus asked his disciples to do is equally binding on us. You know, I think Pastor Uva Homer could have simply said to his congregation, Tell me who you love, and I'll tell you who you are. Well, Jesus was asked, of all the commandments, which, are, which is the most important? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So how do we love God with all our heart, 
soul, mind, and strength. How do we do that? What's that look like? I believe we love God with every aspect of our being when we love our neighbor with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what does that look like? I believe John answers that question for us. 1 John 3.18, he writes, Let us not love with just words of speech, but with action and truth. So let me ask you today, do you love the difficult people in your life? Think for a moment who these people are. And be specific, identify them, name them as you're thinking. You know who they are. Do you value them above yourself? Do you love them not with just words of speech, but with actions and truth? The difficult people in your life. Do you love fair-weather friends? Those who would abandon you. Everyone, every one of us today, we've experienced fair-weather friends sometime in our life. Who's been a fair-weather friend to you? Would you have washed their feet if you knew they were going to be fair-weather friends? Here's another question. So they've been fair-weather friends. Would you wash their feet today? Will you love them with actions and truth? And we can find betrayers and enemies really in many aspects of our lives. They're there. They can be competitors in business, politics, even romance. They can be strangers in race and culture. They can be neighbors who invade our space, disturb our peace, offend our preferences. They can even be assailants who would harm us or harm our families. They can steal our possessions, take away our rights. Betrayers and enemies can be found in unmet expectations, broken contracts, offensive words, anger, and hurt. So do you love those who betray you? Do you love your enemies? Don't just answer yes or no. Take a moment and think, who are those who have betrayed you? Who are those who would be your enemy? Name them. And then think to yourself, do I really love them with actions and truth? Do I still call them friend just as Jesus did Judas? At the moment of betrayal, he still called Judas friend. So who are you? Are you one who loves God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you love those neighbors who are the most challenging? And do you love them not with just words, but in action and truth? Tell me who you love, and I'll tell you who you are. I want you to stand with me, if you would, as we close our service this morning. I hope you'll take time this week to think about that question, who are you? 
to think about who you really love. We're going to close in prayer, and then Pastor Jaron is going to come and bring us our benediction and, and then dismiss us. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, you love us so well. You love us so beautifully. You love us so sacrificially. You give us a wonderful example of how to love. Father, this week we want to ask ourselves these questions. For Father, we want to be Christ-like. We want to value others above ourselves. We want to call even those who would betray us friends. We can't do it without you, Father. We need you in that. So we're going to ask Father, speak to us, guide us, convict us if necessary all week long. For Father, our deepest desire is to be what you want us to be, to be like your son, Jesus. Lead us in this, we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, amen.